Well, I'm doing a two-part because I know I already go long. And I, when God said this to me, he's, so you get, you get me for two weeks. So those of you that are, okay, there, see? Get up in the front row. <laughs> I always say, you know, if you don't like what I'm saying, just don't tell me. Just smile and that. Always look to Johnny for the, the Yeah, I know. Come on, come on. I like a cheering section, all right? Because you know what? I'm talking about the Word of God, and it's always exciting. Because, you know, he's always for us. He leads us in victory. Jordan, you were looking at me, so I thought maybe it was none. Okay. All right, so I'm going to talk about the lion or the lamb. All right, does that good? We know that Jesus was represented in the Bible as the lamb, and then he's a lion. Those, do you guys agree that those are some different characteristics? And you think... How does that work? So we're going to talk about that. Um, it'll be really nice this week. Next week might be a little more fun. Um, I'm just going to read from the Word. So when I think of a lamb, we think of these little babies. They're so sweet. They're so fluffy. They're adorable, right? Like you're thinking, they're, they can't hurt anybody. You know, they try to butt you, and they run into you, and you're like, oh, that is cute. Um, they're just gentle. They're sweet. They're really submissive. They're just like the moms. Like They're following the mom wherever they go, right? Lambs are adorable. So... In, first John, or in John 1, 29, it says, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he called him a lamb. So he's saying Jesus is the lamb. And some characteristics of the lamb, in Hebrews, um, so Jesus, we know Jesus is a lamb, he's the high priest. So in Hebrews 7, 26, it says, For such a high priest was fitted for us, who is holy who is harmless, who is undefiled, separate from sinners, has become higher than the heavens. That sounds like a lamb, right? We know in the Old Testament they had to sacrifice a lamb, right? Because it was undefiled um, and that they're harmless. You don't see a little baby lamb and think, oh, I'm so scared. I mean, some of those, the ones that have the horns, you're like, okay, maybe that's scary. But the lamb... It's harmless. It's cute. Even when it thinks it's tough, you're like, that's adorable. So that kind of sounds like harmless, undefiled. Okay, that sounds like the lamb. So I want to go into that holy, harmless, and undefiled. That's how Jesus came as a lamb. So I want to get into those things and say, okay, what does it mean to be holy? So the lamb of God is holy. That word translates from the Greek means sanctified by the supreme law of God in nature. That's good. Sanctified by the supreme law of God and not even even goes further of even just nature. That means that Jesus is described as being like the Father in the sense that he is perfect and, and sinless in every regard. So I'm glad that, you know, he's like the lamb with holiness. I'm glad that he is sinless because we have sin. And he came and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take all of that because I can carry that. So I'm glad he came as the lamb. How about you guys? Are you guys glad he came as a lamb and was holy? And then it says he's harmless. And that word also comes from the Greek meaning innocent, free from evil. Free from evil. Blameless. So he's harmless. There is no blame that could ever become on him. He has never had an evil thought, action, anything. He is free from that. So he has, 
he is harmless. He's not gonna he's not gonna bring an evil thought, action, idea, anything to you. And in First Peter two. 22 and 23, it says, he never sinned, he never told a lie. That right there, I, you know, when you're a kid, I always said, when I was little, like, I am the youngest of nine children, I learned how to lie. <laughs> you got to get away with things. <laughs> I'm not condoning that, don't lie, I'm just saying. So right there, I already failed. But it said, he never said, he never told a lie, never answered back when insulted. Ooh. Don't raise your hand, but Facebook warriors, right? Like, look how powerful I am behind it. <laughs> Someone says something bad to you and you say, thank you. <laughs> Instead of like, well, let me tell you about you. I mean, don't you think our flesh rises up and like, you insulted me. I'm, I'm coming after you. Oh, but he said, no, never answered back when insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. You got siblings, you know you've done that. You know. He never threatened, like, you know what, wait till my father comes down and I get off this cross. He never said that, did he? He's so good to us. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He, he knew that was God's job, not his. His job is to come as a lamb, take away the sins of the world. It's God's job to, to judge fairly. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, that it's God's job. And he's good at it. He's way better than we are. Um, so, and then we get to the undefiled. That word means unstained, unsoiled, you know, undefiled, chaste, pure, unimpaired. This really emphasizes the absolute purity of Jesus. And when we really think about that, the absolute purity, there is nothing. I mean, it's so easy. Like, I look at something as simple like, hey, can you just wear a white shirt? Like, some of you guys have white shirts, and I'm jealous because I can't wear one. I'll put it on, and it's like, how did that stain get there? I didn't even take a step yet, and it's like... Like, there's no way I buy it from the store. I put it in a plastic bag, seal it. I take it out. I'm like, what happened? So I'm jealous of you people that can wear white. Or, or, or do you just put a necklace over the stain? <laughs> I'm going to put a name tag on. So it cool. But I'm saying that there was absolute purity and perfection. Like, there is nothing impure, not a stain, not a dot. You know, that is the Lamb of God. 1 John 2, 6, so this gets to us, why I'm talking about being the lamb, because we're meant to be like the lamb of God. That is good. So in 1 John 2, 6, it says, Anyone who says he is a Christian should live as Christ did. How many of you guys claim to be a Christian? I said claim. <laughs> if your hand ain't up, we'll pray for you. It's all right. We'll bring you into the family. We love pre-Christians, too. You know, all they just haven't heard the truth and the love of Jesus yet. That's the only difference. So he's saying, hey, if you're going to say that you're Christian, you're going to say that you love me, that you follow me, then you're going to start looking like me. You're going to start acting like me. You're going to do the things that I did. Come on. 
That's right. So, so he's saying, okay, I did these things. I acted holy. I was doing, and so he's saying, you're supposed to be holy. <laughs> it's harder. It gets harder, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I like to be like Jesus. I talk about him. I love him. He's like, yeah, but he was holy, and he was harmless. He wasn't trying to go out and, and stir up strife. You know, he was undefiled, and I think, whew, okay, let's get a little harder. But Jesus did something for us, didn't he? He knew we couldn't do that. Our flesh is like, no, we're not going to do that. And you go, and you're like, I'm going to be really nice today. And the moment your mouth opens up, it's like, why'd you do that? I, like the, I think I did that. I've done that to you before. Let's be honest. If you're married, if you have children, if you are around people, if you're anything but a hermit, you think, I'm just going to be really nice today. We actually, I'm going to tell a story. So yesterday, we, went, we got to go and actually see little Jethro. Seriously, he's so cute, such a sweetie. You guys are like, God's grace has been on you. You can just, if you guys want to have the favor or grace, go stand and rub elbows with them because it really has been on them. Um, so we went down to the hospital and we saw him. And on the way back, we're like, we're hungry. Let's stop and eat. So we, we chose this restaurant. We're going to the drive-thru. And they're like, what do you want? It's like this. Like, and what else? Okay, drive up. I was like, that was so rude. I wanted to get offended. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe... I'll just be soup. Yeah, like that's what I thought. I'm like, I don't know what happened. So then we got up there. He had the order wrong, and I was so nice to him, and he actually felt so bad. Then he started being super nice to us. He's like, you guys have a great day. Thank you so much. Just because we didn't respond back, we just said, oh, thank you so much. No worries. You go ahead and look at that order. You can fix it. It doesn't really matter. I probably shouldn't be eating any of this stuff anyway. <laughs> but in that moment, I wanted to be like, you're working here. You, I'm your customer. You don't be rude to me. That's how I wanted to respond, right? Like, I'm trying to give you money. That's how I wanted to respond. But we didn't. You know, when we got up to the window, we were nice. It, it worked out. We got some shakes. And, you know, I felt better. But see how easy it is to want to respond by the flesh? And that's why Christ said, I didn't just come. I didn't just come and say, do this. He said, I'm going to leave you a helper I'm going to be, make it so that you have the ability, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, well, see if you can be as good as me. I know you can. It's going to be funny to watch you fail. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do that. He said, you know, I'm going to give you everything you need so that you can. So Jesus was this lamb with this holiness and this gentleness, and he was harmless. He didn't cause suffering to others. We should do that too. We shouldn't intentionally try to cause suffering for other people. We shouldn't look and say, well, I hope bad things happen to them. You know, we know that it says a gentle answer turns away wrath. wrath. Yeah. Like, we could have responded. We could have met his energy, right, yesterday. We could have been like, you're going to be rude to me? I'm going to be rude back. And you know what? I have four brothers, so I know how to be rude. <laughs> I had to fight. You know, I was a lot smaller. They were way older than me. You learn how to be scrappy. Um, that is exactly right. So he's saying a gentle answer. So it's like he's saying that is how the Lamb of God was. We should too. So all those things are true. And if you just take that part of Jesus, the gentleness, the kindness, the sweetness, do you know that you could probably get walked all over? You could probably you know, live outside of the will of God for your life. People could abuse you. 
could hurt you, could harm you. Um, and so he said, I also came as a lion. Okay, what does that mean? I like the lion more sometimes because <laughs> I'm, I'm a feisty person. But he said, you got to be the lamb. I'm like, okay, Lord. He said, and I'd like you to be the lion. Okay, how's that going to work? So if Jesus was represented as this lion, what, what are the characteristics of a lion? So when you, when you think of a lion, you think of things like it's powerful. Whenever it's represented, it's like powerful, you know. You know, it's bravery, courage, strength. You ever been to the zoo and they have you that handle thing and you're trying to, and it says, this is how strong the lion's jaw is and you try to pull it down and you're like this and you can't and you're like, and, and these strong guys come up and think, oh, I'm going to do this and they can't do it. And you're like, like, that's what we see in the lion. It's very strong. And fearlessness and ferocious, these are attributes that contribute to basically that successful leader that Jesus is. He is strong. He is fearless. He is ferocious. He's brave. He's, he's courageous. And we go to Revelations 5.5. 5, it says, one of the elders said to me, do not weep for the lion and the tribe of Judah, which comes from the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Jesus, I am thankful he is also the lion. Because you know what? We know that the enemy goes around like, like a lion. Because the enemy can only counterfeit. He cannot create. Amen. Yes. So he is like a lion looking who he can devour. But Jesus is the lion, it says. In Genesis 49, so we don't just see in Revelations that he... Was the line. We go all the way back. Let's go to Genesis 49, and I'll start in verse 8. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub. So it's talking about the believers of Judah. Okay, they're the cubs. Judah, you return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. It's talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. All the, you know, there's no, it wasn't like, oh, there was, Jesus wasn't, you know, around before, you know, he came as man. No, no, no. They're talking about Jesus. All the way at the beginning. And that reference of the lion of the tribe of Judah points to this conquering, victorious king that would descend from Judah's lineage, which we know Jesus came from. Lineage, he came from David's line, right? And Joseph's line. And that's him. That's Jesus. And the reason why the lion is also so important, part of Christ, is understands our goal is to live and follow. And there is victory in that, that he's a victor. He's not just a sweet lamb. He's also a victor. So I'm going to go through a couple things of why it's important to have the lion. The lion walks in authority, not control. A lamb starts acting all crazy. I'm going to pick it up and put it under my arm. I'm probably going to go, you're so cute, right? I am not doing that with a lion. If it wants to walk somewhere, you go right ahead. 
You would like that? That's fine. No problem. But they walk in authority, not control. In Philippians 2, I'm going to start in 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that is a name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord in the glory of God the Father. That's authority. He's like, I'm not worried about what's happening all the time. I'm not worried about if people have not met, you know, are living in sin yet. Because I know I walk in authority. I'm not worried about all that stuff. I'm going to go get the keys, you know, of hell. I'm going to, you know, set people free from their sins. I'm going to do all of that. And so I'm not worried about all the things that everybody else is worried about. Do you guys ever get that? Like, we worry about a bunch of things, and God's probably thinking, what are you doing? You, did you know that I conquered sin and death? So, like, the worst that could happen to you is, I don't even, like, really could, you know, things on earth that could happen in your flesh. That's probably the worst, because you're already going to spend eternity in heaven with me. He walks in authority. He doesn't control. He doesn't say, you're going to come into my kingdom. And you're going to do whatever I say, and, and no, he doesn't put us in a prison. That'd be a prison, right, if someone said, you have to do this. <laughs> How many of you guys said that? I used to, you have to do this, and say, I don't have to do anything. Amen. You got a stubborn child or a stubborn student or a stubborn spouse. <gasps> Did I say that? None of us have. If you say, you have to do this, they're going to be like, I don't care, I am not doing that. I don't even care if it benefits me. I will cut off my arm before I, do, before I have to. Because it's born in us to be free. It is for freedom Christ set us free. So when someone tries to put us in a prison, tries to control us, tries to do that, we're like, no way. Even if it's bad for us sometimes. We still, that's why he said, no, you walk in authority, not control. Control is from the enemy. Because control comes out of fear. We try to control everything in our lives. Because we're scared of what will happen, right? Oh, I, I might not have enough money, so I've got to control all of this instead of manage and be a good steward. Or we, or we try, oh, don't do this. You might fall. Yeah. Let them fall. I mean, I ran two kids. I think you're in here. But, you know, we were at a birthday party, and the little kids wanted me. Now, I'm the old person. I looked at all these young people, and they had a toy car that you ride in. All the parents of young kids, they're just watching me go down this hill. I'm pushing it down the hill because the battery don't work. And I'm pushing it back up, and the kids all want to ride in it. You got like five little kids under five, and they're like, I want, I'm like, do you know how old that? I'm like almost a grandma here. Like, y'all got to get out of the car for me to push it up the hill. And two of the little kids, I won't even say the names because your parents are here. And I'm like, but I thought, you know, this is a great lesson. This is a great lesson. You know what? I'm not going to try to control them and pick them up and say, no, you're not going to do this. And I thought, I'm just going to run them over a little bit. So I did. I just ran their feet over, um, and they were like, ow. I'm like, oh, yeah, I bet that hurt. That was sad. And I just kept pushing. And guess what? You know how many times they did that? One time. Because I don't need to control what they do. They would like to stand in, in, in the way, and they would like to try to get in there after I told them not to. So, you know, I'm not going to control them and be like, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to take you over here. I'm like, you know what? You are free to do what you want to do. There are also consequences to the choices that you make didn't hurt them. There was no blood. Come on. <laughs> Some of your parents are like, oh my gosh, was that my kid? You will never know who it was. Two. How many kids were there? Five, I said? Two of five. All right. 
They do not. I'll give um, so we want to make sure we're walking in authority, not control. The lion walks with authority. It doesn't try to control. You ever seen it? Because then it goes to try to get in a fight with a porcupine. You ever seen those on there? It knows. Like, I have wisdom. I have authority that he can walk to. So because he is Lord, Jesus is Lord, everyone will eventually praise him as Lord. Yeah. Everyone. It doesn't matter if the person believes now. It doesn't matter. At some point, it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And you'll recognize now that, you're, that we are willing to bow and acknowledge him as Lord in our life. That's what gives us the authority. We have the authority because Christ gave us the authority. So when we submit our lives to Christ and say, you know what, I know you died on the cross for us and I'm giving my life to you, you give me direction. I want to follow as you walked. Then he says, well, you know, when you come and you follow me, you also get the blessings and you get, you know, the righteousness I have. You get the authority I have because I give all of that to you. That's good. I didn't have to work for that. He just gave it to us. That's really good. And so another thing that you see as the lion is this. He's the victor. He's, he leads in victory. He leads in victory. In 1 Corinthians, don't you guys love that there's a ton of scripture here? I just, I don't know, I just love hearing about Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15 it says, Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion. So anything that is not in the kingdom of God is dominion. Anything. So he destroyed all dominion. He took all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all, all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he put everything under his feet. He's not going to leave, you know, one thing out there to be like, oh, this is going to bother you. This principality, it gets to, you know, I died for everything, you know, except for, you know, manipulation. That's one a lot in the church likes to use. Um, but do you see what I mean? It's everything. Every. He said, I'm going to destroy every dominion that tries to exalt itself against Christ. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. I'm getting excited. <laughs> Calm down, Sarah. Just stop talking to myself. Ultimately, Jesus is going to destroy all of his enemies, even Satan, who knows he is on borrowed time because his defeat is intimate. He already knows the end. He's trying to wreak as much havoc why he is allowed, but Jesus is coming back. How many guys know that Jesus is coming back? And when his foot touches the mountain, all any authority that, that has been, you know, that the enemy has had any, any, you know, discord, anything, that's all going to be gone. All of it. And I think as humans, you know, we know that the greatest enemy we have is, the real, is that we face the reality of sin and death. We do. I mean, death is scary, especially for people. Um, I've been around a lot of people who have passed on, and you can see the difference of those who know Jesus and those who don't. Praise God that he sends me. I'm like, Lord, send me to those who don't. Even in the last moment, if they've never had an opportunity to do anything right, 
if you call me there, I'll go. Because at least they will have eternity. At least they will have eternity. And so we look at that, you know, our sin, we know that sin interrupted the relationship with God and it meant eternal death and separation and punishment. You know, but Jesus conquered both of those. He conquered both death and sin on our behalf. That's the lion. He said, I'm the victor. I went in. I took the spoils. And now I'm not keeping them for myself. I am giving them to all humanity. I am making them available to you. He removed the penalty of death and replaced it with the promise and hope of eternal life. That is a really good exchange. Like, you're thinking that you're getting, I mean, we got definitely the better end of the deal because we did nothing. We did nothing and we got everything. You know, we can celebrate because he is the victor. He is the lion, and he's like, you know what? I'm the king of kings. Nobody's coming in. There will be no kingdoms, you know, exalted above my kingdom. How many of you guys want to be in the the highest kingdom? (laughs) Like, if there's two kingdoms battling, I want to go with who has the weapons, who has, you know, who has the authority, who has the power, right? When you pick teams, do you guys ever remember that terrible time when you were in middle school and elementary school? I don't know if they do that anymore because everyone's like, don't hurt anyone's feelings. Um, (laughs) But you know what I mean where it's like, line you all up, you already feel terrible, right? And then we're going to put like these two cool kids who, you know, they're peaking when they're like 10 or whatever in their life because... You know, they're cool or whatever. I don't know. But I don't know what's happening right now. So you have that, and you get these two teams. And they're fighting over, like if it's a sports team, you're fighting over, like we did dodgeball. Now, I'm, I'm terrible at throwing, okay? But I can take a hit. So I got chose because they knew that I could guard the cone because I could take a lot of hits. So, oh, Jesus. I already told you I'm the youngest of nine. I had four brothers. They tormented me. They're all right, though, now. I get along with them. Um, (laughs) But you you choose those sides, and there's always that one you're like, oh, that's so sad. Like, you guys are going to get pelted so bad. Like, I'm like, please let me be on this side. Like, you're in the line. You're praying. You're like, please don't let me. First is, please don't let me be chose last. The older I got, after I met, after I met, it seemed like I, Sometimes God put me last because he's like, you need to know how that feels. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. But I did, and I guess it helped. But you want those teams. It's like they're always uneven. They're always uneven. And it's like I want to be on that winning team. I want to be, you know, where everybody's getting out so I don't have to get pelted with the ball. Like they're already, they're, they're protecting me. And that's what it is in the kingdom. Like, his kingdom is higher, it's stronger, has authority. I want to be on that side. I want to get chosen. And you know what he said? He said, I did choose you. And you, and you, and you, all of us. He said, all of you can be on the winning kingdom, the highest kingdom, the most powerful kingdom. That's good. Because he's the victor, and he shares the spoils of his victory with us. And the last thing he really does is the line, he's He's eternal. When everyone's fighting, he's the last one standing. 
There's nobody else. He's the last one standing in the fight. In Revelations 11:15, it says the seven angels sounded his trump. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of the Lord and His Messiah, and He will reign forever and ever." That's good. That's another reason God chose the Lion of Judah is because his kingdom, we saw all the way back, I read in Genesis earlier, that the kingdom of Judah, the Lion of Judah, that was the kingdom of God. And it says that's going to reign forever and ever, that the kingdom will reign forever. The kingdom of Judah, which is Jesus, is the Lion of Judah. He's the king because he will rule for all eternity and you are part of that kingdom, then you get to experience the benefits of the kingdom for all eternity. You know what? Not just when we are in heaven. It says, you know, heaven to earth. You can bring all the blessing, all the hope, all the promises to us. So you know what? We've seen God's favor. You live in America. You live in a country where you have seen God's favor. Even if you are in the lowest end of our country, you have seen the favor of God. You've seen blessing. I mean, since Easter, we have seen healings. We've seen restorations. We have seen people, finances, you know, exploding. We have seen a miracle after miracle happening because God says signs and wonders, miracles will follow those who believe. We're believers, right? We're seeing that stuff. We're seeing favor. We're, I mean, it's amazing what God has been doing in this season. It has been just awesome. He's saying you get all that because you're in the kingdom. He's not just going to leave you and say, I'll come back for you at the end. Live however you want. Do whatever you want. Sorry, you're in the pit, you know, right now. I'm going to leave you in the prison till the very end. No, no, no. He said, you get to be in the kingdom right away. There's no waiting. There's no tearing. You get to be in the kingdom. So we don't have to get discouraged no matter how bad it may feel. Sometimes we have bad feelings, right? We, we don't feel good. This morning I was like, I, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I just want to be calm today. <laughs> Matt said that too. I just want her to be calm today. <laughs> We've been married 22 years, and you've probably rarely seen me calm. I know, I roll around a lot and thrash, so. Do I sleep? I'm not sure. <laughs> but no matter how we may feel, that's only for a little while, a season. We always know that our victor is coming, don't we? So even if we're in the battle, we already know the outcome, that God, you know, he's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. He loves us. And, you know, that lion, he's coming soon. And I'm not like, oh, I know, I'm going to figure out when Jesus comes. I'm not talking about that soon. Guess what? It's sooner than it was yesterday. Amen. If it's a thousand years out that Jesus, before Jesus comes back, it's still soon. Because we are not the author of time. We like to be, right? We like to try to control it. And I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, like, you guys created this time up. <laughs> Things that can be like a moment, can be like a thousand years. Things that, are, that we think are a thousand years can be in a moment but it says he's coming back soon and we know that's true because you know it was sooner than yesterday and tomorrow will be sooner and it just get one step closer and he's reigning forever and ever all right 
Okay. So in that, I told you what a lamb is like, what a lion is like. I'm going to talk about, so when do I know when to be the lamb and when to be the lion? There, that's exactly right. That's the part. It's like, uh, see, none of you guys clapping for that. You're like, <laughs> I've heard the joke. You guys probably heard the joke. Like, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> no, I need the Holy Spirit to get up in the morning. Before I open this, like, before I open this, I need the Holy Spirit. I'd be like, Holy Spirit, you need to be in charge today because I'm already out of control. My flesh wants to do all the things it shouldn't do, right? The Spirit's like, no, you don't want to do those things. So I need the Holy Spirit. And we need, the, the truth is, we need the Holy Spirit when we're sleeping. You know, I need to pray before I fall asleep. I ask the Lord to come into my dreams because I'm like, Lord, speak to me when I can't talk. That's the best. I think that's why the Lord made me a dreamer because he made me a talker. Because I know that I'm a talker because that's what the enemy stole from me when I was young. I do. And my feet sometimes. Um, but he told me when I was young, I was the shyest person. I would not talk to anybody. If you talked to me, I would run away crying if you said hi to me. You took my picture. If you tried to take my picture, I would cry. There's this picture of me, and it's all the family. Because like, when you have a big family, you're like, oh, we're all together. Let's get a picture. Um, <laughs> and, of course, I ruined all of them because I was always like hiding under my mom's shirt. There's one where she's got my hair because she tried to grab me, and you can see me like before you could delete pictures, and you had to actually get them developed. So that, I should have brought that picture. That would have been cool to put up. And you see me like going like this, and my shirt is like way up here, and it just, I was that shy that I couldn't even have a camera on me. I could not, like, if you were not my mom or maybe one of my siblings, sometimes I would cry when they would talk to me. That's how shy I was. So then as I came in and I met Jesus, I realized, that's why the enemy tried to take that, because who I am is actually a bold and wild and crazy person in a good way. And so the enemy wanted to see it. So, so if there's things, I look back to my child and say, oh, that's what the enemy didn't. This is what he thought of me, because he knew what God created for me. That was just extra. So, so but we need the Holy Spirit for our thoughts, our ideas, in your words and your responses, not just our actions. We think, oh, I just need the Holy Spirit to go here. The Holy Spirit's always with you. Allow him into your thoughts, into your ideas, into your responses. How many of us forget to let the Holy Spirit go before our responses? <laughs> we got one on us. I didn't say raise your hand, but you got it. You got it. Yeah, because we like open mouth syndrome, and the Holy Spirit's like, I stayed back. I stayed back on that one. Um, but the only way you will know when to be the lion, when to be the lamb, will be because you are actively seeking first. Actively seeking first. Actively seeking first the Holy Spirit. I really want that actively seeking because it's not, the Holy Spirit's not like, I'm just going to fall on you and you're just going to do everything good. You know, he's like, I live in you. We have a relationship. I also am part of the Trinity. I do not force. I do not control. Does he? So that means we have to actively seek him first instead of our situation first. Uh, it has to be over our tiredness, our frustrations. We have to actively seek him first. Not our intellect. Sometimes you got a lot of facts and God's like, I didn't want you to say that can know a lot of things and not know what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
over our experiences. It's like, well, I've raised five kids. Well, you know what? This one's different. <laughs> how many of you guys, how many, how many of you in here have more than one child? How many of you are like, what in the world? They have the exact same atmosphere. I've done the exact same thing, and they are crazy. They're all different. So different. You're like, I did everything the same. This one came out super sweet, and this one came out like, I will fight you. I will fight you in everything. I will fight the dog. I will fight anything. If, you know what? She never compromised. She did throw a chair at me when she was little, this timeout chair, and I realized that's not going to work. Then she threw her bed over the railing. She came out that way, and I was like, Lord, what happened? He's like, that's the way I created her. Do not stop it. So I thought, okay, we're going to go. And you heard all the things she did. So your kids are different. So we can't be like, well, this is exactly what the book says. This, I, I found this, this on the Internet. Oh, I read this. I heard of all these facts. No, the Holy Spirit has to come first. <laughs> because you may have everything. Your experiences, you're like, I've done this before. I've raised kids. And you're like, and God says, yeah, and this one's different. Our overzealousness, thinking, well, I know a lot of the Word. I know. You know what? I could probably find anything in the Word if I take it out of context to support what I want in my selfishness. That's why we read it as a whole. It's an incomplete story. It's not, this benefits me and this does not, so I'm going to throw away everything I don't like. No, we have to actively seek first. You know, we can't be that self-righteousness. Okay, this kind of hurts. I told Matt I added this this morning. Some of us go to Google before we go to the Holy Spirit. Because it's easy. Oh, I had my phone on me. I was going to be all like, it's easy. But, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, how do I do this? What should I do? Oh, this bad thing happened. Oh, I'm sick. I should go to Google first. There's times where it's like, God's like, no, go ask this person. Because they have a testimony by the blood of the Lamb and the words of their testimony, you will overcome. So God's like, I don't want you to hear what doctors have said about that. I want you to hear what this person went through because I actually brought them through that. And their testimony is actually going, you know, to bring you over to the overcoming it doesn't matter how many scientists experts have said this how many of you guys know there is a difference between a fact and a truth jesus truth is a person jesus is the way the truth and the light a fact is like this is all we know many years ago the four minute mile many years ago the four minute mile it was fact human man body cannot exceed the four minute mile they cannot run under that that has been broken hundreds of times one second, millisecond, we know that. But I thought that was a fact. See, that's why facts, they go with science. But you know what? Truth, Jesus never changes. Because truth is different than a fact. Truth is a person, which is Jesus Christ. And we see it in his word. So that's why we have to go to the Holy Spirit first, because you're thinking, that's a fact. It's like, you know what? Then how, um, what about transcending? It's a fact that there's gravity, that we can't disappear and appear somewhere else. Then why in the Bible... Was it Peter? Peter? Peter, right? Peter transcended, and it's like, oh, I was here, and now I'm somewhere else. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it. Fact tells you that you can't disappear and turn up somewhere else, right? That's a fact. Truth is, Jesus is like, I'm Jesus. I'm God. Like, I make, I created this, so I know what I can do. Yeah. That's why we have to go to the Holy Spirit first. Holy Spirit first. And a lot of times, intellect, experiences, you know, facts support that, right? Because he gave us wisdom and knowledge. 
I catch myself quite often wanting to seek first those things. Google's so easy, right? It's right there. You can ask it anything. And I cannot type, and I ask it the craziest things, and you know what it does? It still comes up with my My family will be like, what are you even saying to Google? That, that, they're not going to be able to figure that out. And I'm like, it knows me. <laughs> and it does, and I get the answer that I want. They're like, I do not know. God. There has to be the Holy Spirit in between you and Google because you said nothing. You didn't even type. I don't even know if those were words. There was a three in there. I'm not sure what's happening. I will type letters or numbers in my thing, and it will still come out because we need the Holy Spirit. But it's easy to seek first that just facts and knowledge and wisdom and intellect and, and my past experience. It's easy. There's no submission to that. The flesh loves that. I'm going to do it. I'm in charge. I'm getting exalted. I know better than you. And that's the way the flesh is. Because it wants you to respond badly because the flesh only cares about the flesh. That's why the Holy Spirit first. Holy Spirit first. Even in the littlest things. You know you're probably, you can, like I said, you can justify your behavior with the word. You can take one scripture and be like, you know, God said do this. And then he said, do that. We see that. He said, he's the lion. He's the lamb. Well, which one am I supposed to be? Both. And you can only do that if you have the Holy Spirit. We saw Jesus wept with friends. He, he felt for them. He had compassion. And then he's taking a whip and whipping people and being like, get out of the temple. I'd be like, that's the same guy? Like he was crying. No, because he knew when to be the lamb, when to be the lion, because he had the Holy Spirit at all times, which we have the Holy Spirit at all times. Too, so we need to seek first the Holy Spirit, what he wants us to do. So the difference is just he knew what to do with the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the ability to make choices, decisions, and respond according to the Holy Spirit. But we have to be willing, willing to seek first the Holy Spirit's response. Sometimes we just want to do what I want to do. Well, I get up and I go to work at this time every single day. I do it this way every single day. You know what? I get my coffee and, and I, I've, this is our routine. And there's times where God's like, no, you need to make room in your routine because I'm going to do something today. I need to know that. I need to know. We were at Lowe's. When was this, Lon? We're at Lowe's and we're in there and we go. I'm like, oh, we got to go to the clearance plants. How many of you guys are planties that like you're like, oh, there's a clearance plant. I have a thousand, but I need more. I need more and I'm probably going to kill half of them. It's all right. You know, so we're there and this lady just starts talking and we had things to do and all of a sudden we just get going and we're, I mean, end up turning to like over a half an hour and we were talking about things of God and we were just sharing. And um, when, we, when we finally left, I see. I said, God gave us time today, Lana, because that woman needed us yeah. to hear her. She was probably like, she, she was like in shape. She was going, she had her mind. She was probably like 95, 90. She was, and I was like, God, you gave us to give that time because she needed someone to talk to, to hear her, to just listen to her. And I thought, thank you, Lord, that we didn't say, oh, we got to go. We got we to gotta be here. We got to do this. We had other errands to run, but I said, Lord, give us supernatural time because that person was important. See, that's why we have to seek first and not be like, well, this is my schedule today, today and i got to stay on it. You know, i got to get these things done. Yes, don't just sit around and be like, Lord, when are you going to tell me to do something? <laughs> no, no, no. We can have a plan, but we got to seek the Holy Spirit and say, what, what do you have planned today? And he's like, go back to the clearance section. I'll show you. <laughs> go to the clearance section. You will have a lot of experience with the Lord. 
Some will be for yourself about being patient when people park their cars si carts sideways in the aisle. You ever? Um, so if you, you're there and you see me, that's probably, you're, you, it might be me. So, but seek first. I'm almost ready. You guys got five more minutes. Is that okay? Is that all right with you guys? Okay. Um, so when we do that in the littlest of things, the teeniest of things, when we wake up in the morning and it's like, should I send? Sometimes the Lord wakes me up and says, I just want you to send a text to this person and just say good morning. Hope you're having a good day. Like it's the littlest things. When we start doing the littlest things and we do them so often, it gets so easy to hear the Holy Spirit. You don't have to sit there and be like, okay, I got to pray. What do you want me to hear today, Lord? It just automatically is already right there at the forefront. So when you're walking, the Holy Spirit's like, stop and talk to that person. You don't have to say, Lord, who do you want me to stop and talk to today? I don't even have to ask that anymore. I just say, okay, the Holy Spirit, you're right here, present. I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm seeking you first. So the moment you want to do something, you're like, do that. And I'm like, okay. Do you see when you're doing it so often in the little things, not just the big things, it becomes so easy. It becomes that second nature to us. The Holy Spirit wants me to go left today and not right. Someone's broke down. I mean, where's John? You've had that coming to church, like, I'm going to be to church on time today, and someone's in the ditch. Right? And you pulled them out. And things like that, where it's like, okay, Lord, this is what you have for me today. I might have to go left. I might have to go right. I'm supposed to stop and talk to this person. I'm supposed to send this text. I'm supposed to do this or that. It just be naturally becomes your lifestyle because that's who you are. You are a spirit. You have a body, and your soul is what your, your mind, will, and emotions, you're making it submit. It's either going to submit to the flesh or it's going to submit to the spirit. Spirit has a lot more blessing. You want some trauma, some pain, some things going on? Let the soul submit to the flesh. You want freedom, you want joy, you want peace, you want victory. We've got to make sure that soul is submitted to our spirit. Um, all right. So now, so if you're like me, none of you are, but no, I'm just joking. If you're like me, so you don't have to raise your hand on this, if you're like me, you've been both the lion and the lamb. And if you're also like me, you've probably brought the lion into the flock's pen. And you've probably brought the lamb before the wolves at times. Right? Because we're human and we need to just continually get better at learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so next week we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about what, how do I know when to be the lion, when to the, be the lamb, what does God's word say about that so I can know that I am not putting the lamb before, you know, a predator. All right, so let's pray.